0: Happy Thursday! Wow! Are you guys uh, happy that it is starting to warm up a little bit outside? Are you guys as happy as I am that baseball is back? Are you as happy as I am that the Atlanta Braves are 1-0 and baseball is back? Alright. It's been a good day uh, for me. I don't know about you. Uh, I'm excited for... Goodness, I'm trapped. All right, I am excited for tonight. Um, I've been looking forward to uh, tonight for a little while, and uh, want to kind of start by introducing these guys to my left here. So, uh, first of all, this is uh, Pastor Ben Grimsley. Um, ben is our student pastor at uh, Christ's Place Central. And, uh, Ben is, uh, he's one of my great friends, um, started on staff before me, but when I first started on staff at Christ's place, um, I got to work directly with Ben. So we were like on the same team for a little while, weren't we? We were. All right. Yeah. That's crazy. I just slips my mind, I guess. Um, Pastor Andrew is, uh, our next guest and Pastor Andrew, why don't you, what is your title even anymore? I have no idea, and it doesn't matter. He also works at Christ's Place. That's right. And uh, he's been my boss in the past. Now I'm his boss, which is really crazy. I'm not. I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, so Pastor Andrew was, uh, my boss whenever I first started at Christ's Place. And so, um, these guys are, uh, the three of us, we're going to talk about money tonight and I'm super excited. Let me kind of, uh, lay out for you guys what this is going to look like, um, over the course of the next few minutes. So, uh, we are going to talk through some, some different topics that we kind of, um, have already discussed, um, kind of given ourselves a, a loose outline and while we're talking, uh, we want to give you guys the idea or the uh, opportunity to ask any questions that might pop into your head over the course of time that we are um, that we're talking. And so uh, we have this little thing called Slido tonight that's going to be up on the screens, and uh, you can see now that there is a QR code that's up on the screens. So if at any point during uh, our time tonight you a question pops in your head or anything like that, uh, all you got to do is scan this QR code and you can actually type your question and send it in, and uh, it will be sent down here, and then our moderator we'll throw it up on the screen. Um, well, they might throw it up on the screen. There's probably be a lot of questions, and so they'll be filtering through, and we're going to get some good questions answered. So uh, we're going to have a little discussion. We're going to have some time for Q&A at the end. I think it's going to be a great time. Sound good to you guys? All right. So we talked last week. Uh, we, we, we said that we were starting this sermon series uh, called Redefining Rich. And last week. That is what we did. We redefined rich, and really we didn't redefine rich, but we looked at how God's word redefines the idea of uh, being rich, right? So society, the world, culture, tells us that uh, being rich is all about accumulating wealth. But Last week we talked about how uh, being rich is not about accumulating wealth, it's about how you steward the wealth that you are given by God. And so that was kind of the place that we left off last week. We looked at 1 Timothy chapter 6, and um, Paul lays out for Timothy just that incredible principle. We see that throughout Scripture. Um, but we kind of want to use where we left off last week as a jumping-off point for tonight. Um, so we, we talk about, or we said last week, that being rich it's not accumulating wealth. It's how you steward wealth. So if being rich isn't about how much money I have, but about what I do with the money that I have... The question is, what then should I do with it? Like, what does it look like to be rich? You guys can uh, speak into that.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, like Logan said, we're going to take everything from the pages of Scripture. And so if you look at uh, God's Word and really how it's broken out, uh, really you can see three main categories, if you will. Uh, One of the first categories that, that you see that is probably more prominent, maybe than some of the other categories that we'll talk about, uh, is the one that he spoke about a lot last week, which is is to give. So uh, you see this in Proverbs three nine and ten. You see this uh, all throughout the New Testament, and so um, this this idea of of giving first and and really categorizing um, maybe your budget, your money, whatever, categorizing it by saying I'm going to give first, and then the second that you see, uh, you'll see that is this idea of saving. So. Uh, Proverbs talks about that a lot, too, as well. We're going to go to Proverbs a lot tonight, so you're going to see that. Uh, Solomon was very wise, so he penned a lot of stuff down in that. And then the last thing, so w- once, you, once you give first, once you save, and then lastly, you're, you're going to have the leftovers or what you're going to live off of. So this idea of really of give and then save and then live. Yeah, and I would just add, um,
2: that's, a great, that's a great outline, uh, give, save, live in that order. The order is really important, like you said, Andrew. Uh, it sounds like you guys probably talked about this last week, but I think it's really helpful to view money as a tool, okay? And a tool you can use either for for positive, for good, or you can use it negatively. And so the way that we use our money, the way that we view money is so, so important. I want to share a uh, Andrew, you said we we're going to Proverbs, and I'm already here. So uh, this is Proverbs 11:28. 28. This is a really gold. There's a lot of gold in Proverbs. But uh, this verse says, whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. It kind of sounds like a Lord of the Rings poem a little bit to me. But uh, what it's saying is, if you are living your life, if you are uh, building your life upon riches first or upon money first, It will not go well. And so I think as we dive into our discussion tonight, if there's anything I can encourage um, all of you college students, and I'm not much, you know, older than you, uh, I guess as someone like who's a peer to you, I would encourage you, don't follow money, follow Jesus. Uh, I think that's just super, super key. I think we believe, you know, I think we sometimes think, yeah, I, I follow Jesus, you know, I follow Jesus first and then money, but um, sometimes our actions can maybe make us think that um, we really are following money. Here's, what, here's an example. Um, back in the 90s, my grandfather uh, did something pretty crazy that not a lot of people have done. He won the lottery, and uh, it wasn't like a like a country song, scratch-off ticket type lottery. Like, he won multiple millions of dollars back in the 90s, which was a lot of money, a lot of money today, and so you might be thinking, whoa, your grandfather had it made. I mean, he had millions of dollars. He, he probably was just like, you know, living on the high on the hog or whatever. That was 30 years ago. And y'all, there's been so much um, destruction in my family that we still experience today. And so if we follow money first or primarily or build your life primarily on money, it will not go well for you. So I guess as we kind of Start framing up our discussion about what it looks like to give first, then save, then live. I guess I would just like to preface it by saying, follow Jesus, don't follow money. That's all I have to say.
0: This is crazy. My, I don't know who it was, like great aunt, also won the lottery. I mean, there, <laughs> I've seen a dime of it. But when, when was yeah. it? I have no idea. I just know that they own, like, a mountain in North Sounds Carolina. Sounds like we need to go buy some lottery tickets
2: later. No, we got we got in our jeans. <laughs> Mount Evans. So.
1: We got a Mount Evans out Do there? Do you
0: have call? a uh, – no, it's not Mount Evans. I don't know Mount what it okay, is. Okay, so
1: I also won some money myself. Uh, I was Stop. 18 years old. It was the first time. I won $3, and I bought a Red Bull with it. That's, what, that's the only time Let's I've go. ever done it. Let's go. I played one time, and I won 3 bucks. That was a lot. I mean, I was 18 Wow. I'm not playing. It was a couple of days after my birthday. So
0: two lotteries in a there red you go Bowl. I mean, that's three dollars. That's great. That's what I want. So, uh, Pastor Andrew, you kind of you kind of said it up front. Um, if you take if you take all of Scripture, what it says about money, and you were to sort it into three categories, you're kind of left with with these three categories of give, save, and live, and, and you talked about it um, specifically in that order. Like the Bible puts a lot of priority, a lot of emphasis on giving, um, you know, a lot of emphasis, not as much on giving, but but also on saving, and then finally talks about how to live with your money, how to be wise, talks about some warnings, things like that. Let's follow that, um, you know, that, that path there, and let's talk um, first about giving, because this is, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week, but I really want to get practical with it. Um, so tonight, uh, let me ask you, you guys this question. What has giving looked like for y'all um, personally, like in your lives uh, over the course of, you know, I mean, since you guys have, have been practicing giving, uh, I assume and hope that y'all give.
1: Yeah, hopefully so. we got to model it first, right? No, uh, I, I so Logan, you mentioned it, you know, those three categories. We'll, we'll kind of use that as a flow tonight. But there's not like one verse that says give, save, live. Uh, but if you study Scripture and you look at um, Scripture Talks, a lot about giving, and this is something that I've I've been passionate about because it's part of mine and my wife's personal testimony. So, um, my wife and I we've been married for almost 15 years. We celebrate 15 years in just a few months. And so, um, when we first got married, uh, we got married really young. I was 21, she was 20 when we got married, and um, I had just been 21 for like a couple of months. And so. Uh, we were very, very young. I bought a house really early. And so, man, I'm, I'm actually, we were both still in school. We, we went here. We went to, to UNG. And so, um, there you go. So, we, we were married. But I'm telling you, like, she, she was working maybe, like, retail. I was working in a warehouse. We were both going to school. We were having to try to pay for books. We were trying. I mean, we were, when I say we were broke, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. We were beyond broke. I mean, I would sit down, and I'm a numbers guy. I love this stuff. I love all this. So growing up, my parents were very, very by the book on everything, okay? Uh, Some would probably term it as, like, legalism. Uh, So they're very particular about everything. My dad, every time he goes to church, he still wears a three-piece suit. Like, that's what he does My mom wears a dress. Like, that's just what they do. And that's how I was raised. And so when it came to tithing, that was a big conversation in our home. We, we constantly talked about it. I knew that my parents gave. They talked about kind of this system of giving. And so for us, it was always just kind of understood this is what we would do. So when Lisa and I got married, uh, I would do a paper budget every month because there weren't apps like they are now. But I would do a paper budget every month. And every single month, I'll never forget, we were negative $178 on paper. And I'm not playing like that. Stressed me out because here we are. We we have a brand-new house. You know, we have things that we need to try to live off of, and we're still trying to pay for school. And so when I looked at it, by the way, that was before I tied So I'm like, there's no way that I can afford to tithe. So we didn't for a few months after getting married. And it stressed me out, and it ate at me. It was kind of like I was, just, I was under deep conviction because I knew what God's Word said about giving back to the Lord, giving back to church. And so for the longest time, man, I'm telling you, like every month we would squeeze by, with just a few pennies, we were constantly borrowing for the next month just to try to live off of this month. And so, uh, I'll never forget her and I. We sat down after about maybe three or four months of being married, and and I just looked at her and I said, I said, we have to start this. Like we have to start giving. We both know this. She grew up the same way, very similar to the way I did. And so we started giving uh, to the church. We were we were part of Christ's Place at the time, and so just for us, we started making it systematic. We knew what we would give, and we did it, and I knew that every month, instead of being negative 178, we would be negative 300 and something, and it stressed me out, but I'm telling you, it was amazing to see how, and scripture talks about this, how God just multiplied that, and every month, we weren't borrowing from the next month. We actually had enough. As a matter of fact, it was so crazy because she ended up not working because she was doing some uh, apprenticeship with her degree, and so it was We were on a single income, and her car broke down. I mean, all these things just compounded and happened, and I could go into great detail. But when we started being faithful and started giving first, uh, and we put it part of our, our budget, and we knew what we were doing, and, and all of this, we were systematic in it. Um, man, it was amazing to see how God multiplied that. And, and that's just me. I mean, that's our personal story. That's, that's why I'm passionate about it.
2: That's cool. Uh, for me, uh, Andrew, really similar background. I grew up in church. I was like the church kid. I was homeschooled. I mean, that's how church kid I was. Um, so with that, uh, my parents really um, similar. They wanted me to uh, practice tithing. And so I remember my dad uh, works, he was a loan officer. And so me and my brother would clean his office every single week. And um, Child labor laws, I guess, weren't around, because we would work for like three hours and get paid $5. It's because it was Cleveland. There's no yeah, the child that's labor true. laws that's true. There. There's, not, there's still none up there. So I get 5 bucks, and that was my income for the week. And so I tithe 50 cents, you know, 10%. If, if you're new to church and you're hearing us say tithe, it's just a Bible word that means you give 10% of your income. And so uh, 10% of $5, I was giving 50 cents. And I, I really do, you know, Andrew, we talked about how we we can't be legalistic with a tithe, but I will say I am grateful to my parents for instilling that in me from a young age because tithing, at least, it's kind of been like the the baseline for generosity in my life. And so as I made more money, as I got older, had jobs in high school, had jobs in college, it was just kind of something I knew I was going to do. I knew I was going to tithe. So, um, and I will say this too, you know. I was a college student. I was broke. I mean, some of you guys might be like, you know, working part-time jobs. I met some people over here who worked the outlets uh, earlier, and so I know that some of you uh, may feel like there's no way that I can be generous right now because, you know, of, I just don't have a lot of money, but I will say that in my, you know, from my life, I've always seen God be faithful, and if you're, you are um if you're generous, I'm not saying that a Corvette's going to show up in your driveway, but you know we trust in, in Jesus to save us, right? And so if we can trust in Jesus for our salvation, I think we can also trust in Jesus to to give us our needs, you know. So um, tides kind of all throughout all throughout college and stuff. When I was in college, I felt like the Lord was calling me to do something. A little crazy, which is grow in generosity. And that was a new concept for me because I thought, well, the tithe is the standard. Like if I'm, if I'm given 10%, then I'm good. And really, the tithe, that's something that we see in the Old Testament, Numbers 18, uh, Deuteronomy 14, talk about a tithe. And it's an Old Testament principle. But really, in the New Testament, we see the bar race for generosity, uh, which is pretty crazy. I'm going to read a passage of scripture. This is from 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, they're the generosity passages. Like you just, you know, study those passages if you never have. Jot it down in your Bible, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. But this is 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7. This is Paul writing. He says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly also will reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In the Old Testament, uh, the standard for God's people, it was tithing. And actually, Logan was talking to me about this earlier. Really, the tithe, we think about 10%, but when you add up all the things they gave, It's actually closer to about 23%, which I'll just go ahead and be vulnerable. I'm not giving 23% of my income yet, maybe one day, but I'm not there yet. But the New Testament standard is even higher because the New Testament standard is a sacrificial, cheerful giver. And so I'll just encourage all of you, um, do not give out of guilt. You know, don't be like, well, my pastor makes me feel bad, so I guess I should give. No, the Bible says that you are to be a cheerful giver. And so you should just be willing to give. And so I think, uh, I think yeah, I think that's really good.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. So this, the standard for generosity now is not, it's not a percentage. It's not a number. It is a, a posture of your heart. And we're called to be, we're not called to check a box. We're not called to, um, you know, pay our membership fee. We're called to be generous people because God was generous with us. And that's what generosity looks like. Um, You guys have, we've talked a lot, I mean, your your story about giving to the church. Um, There are all kinds of different, like, organizations, nonprofits that are, like, constantly uh, asking for money. I mean, a lot of them seem like great opportunities to, to give and be generous. Like, how do I balance that? How do I balance, like, my responsibility, it sounds like, to give to the church but then also my, you know, I mean, it sounds like some of these, these places, might can accomplish some pretty awesome things, too. So, I mean, where's the balance there?
2: Well, I would say is, uh, there, first of all, there's nothing wrong with being generous to, you know, organizations who meet needs, but meet physical needs. If we really believe the gospel, I think the first place where we'll go first with our generosity is the church, because the church is God's vehicle for getting the gospel to the, to the community where it's placed. You know, I think about, I think it's Mark 8 where Jesus says, what does it, it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And so there are great organizations that get clean water to communities in Africa. There are great organizations who, um, you know, help uh, people with addictions, recover. I mean, all, all kinds of things that uh, meet physical needs or emotional needs. But the greatest need that every single person in the entire world has is their need for a Savior. Okay, They need to hear the good news about Jesus. And so just like we say we first give, um, I would say first give through your church. Um, so that's what, I, that's what I would say to that.
1: Ben, I like what you're saying. You know, It's kind of like God's church first. And then, you know, also this concept, this idea, and Logan, I'm so glad you mentioned that because just like part of my story, man, I thought, you know, 10%, like I checked the box, moved on, and can go. Uh, but there are a lot of great opportunities to be able to serve and bless other organizations um, as well. Like I, I'm on the board for a nonprofit that um, is based out of Bolivia, and they're planting churches down there. And so, you know, my wife and I, like we, we, we give to God's church. We give to Christ's Place. Um, I just like Ben, we started kind of at 10% and then, you know, we've grown in generosity over the years. But, uh, you know, for us in this, uh, it's called the world gospel for the world gospel. Um, like my wife and I, we, we support that organization as well. And it's a great organization. I mean, even outside of the fact that I'm, I'm on the board and I, I kind of know the ins and outs of it. Um, you know, a lot of times people get hung up on. Well, when I give, like, where does my money go? What what, what does that look like? Uh, how does that play out? Um, you know, and a lot of people get hung up on the idea that, man, if I give, they're going to pay for, you know, some of that's going to be held back for like administration or pay for the building or you know those kind of things. Those things are been used the word vehicle vehicle for the gospel as well. Like you're 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 investing in this. Um, In your church, you're investing in this organization, and they're using that in order to be able to further the cause, the gospel, uh, whatever it might be, and so uh, I think, you know, with all of us, you always want to look into the organization that you're giving to, right? Uh, I mean, there are a lot of organizations out there that do great things, but then they also have kind of like a, a sleight of hand on a couple of other things they might be supporting that we would say, man, this doesn't support God's word. Um, you know, as maybe it's counter to God's word. So, what I would say is, man, just like what Ben said, give to God's church, and then you know, if you feel led or something that you're passionate about, like the clean water or, or you know the world gospel, whatever it might be, I say look into the organization. You know, there's nothing wrong with asking them, like, hey, can I, can I ask some questions about like what percentage and all these things? Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but then also trust them. If you're belie- like, if they're investing in you, you're investing in it. Uh, that organization then trust them to use what you're giving them you know to further what they're doing
0: Is that helpful? yeah absolutely okay. i think that's great um so we talked about at the beginning you gave us three categories give save live for the sake of time i know there's questions that we want to make it uh to at the end i, I want to move us on um to the idea of saving um this is this is a big deal um and i think something that's going to be really practical and helpful for all of you guys so um here's my first question what does, we talked about how God's word talks about saving. What does it say? Like, I've never, uh, you know, maybe maybe people in here, like, I've never ran across a verse that says, you know, open up a Roth IRA. Like, that's just not in there.
2: So, like, what does God's word say about saving money? Um, when I think about saving money, there's a, there's a lot of verses, and I'm going to get to Proverbs here in a second. I'll say this first, though. Saving money, uh, my dad, he has... Um, something he calls like the 10 laws of money management. He framed it in his office. He actually called it Elmo. Elmo is my dad's nickname. Maybe Elmo can come speak to us one day. But one of his laws of money management, <laughs> Elmo, really? his name's Ellis. I don't know how, I don't know. One of his laws is that good money management is hard work, okay? And Proverbs talks a ton about hard work. In Proverbs 10, this is verse 4, uh, the author says, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. And so right now, I would say start building the muscle of good money management. Start building the muscle of saving money and be diligent to, um, to be a good steward of what the Lord has entrusted to you. Right now, you know, I talked earlier about how maybe you think to yourself, I'm a college student. I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of money to save. But you can flip the script with that. You also don't have as many expenses right now, okay? Um, When me and my wife, we bought a house last summer. Y'all, there's so much money. I'm like, what's this V and that V? I mean, when y'all buy a house, you're going to cry. Because I did, a lot, okay? I mean, like, there's so much money. It's like we spent 10 grand just to get it ready to close. It was crazy. So there's so much money uh, that you'll have in your future, so many bills you'll have to pay, that you don't have to pay now. So start saving now. One more thing that I want to point out is, um, and I'm not, like, coming down on you guys because I can be this way too. Sometimes in college, I was, I was also this way, we can be lazy, Right or not work hard because we just think, well, I'm in college, so I'll just start saving later, and we can be lazy in the way that we handle our money. My wife, she's sitting down here next to Aaliyah on the front row. She works at Chick-fil-A in Cleveland, so if you're ever in Cleveland, go say hello to her. Uh, She told me this is crazy. So she told me yesterday, someone ordered a chicken biscuit for breakfast, a chicken biscuit and a coke, and they didn't want to get up to go to the drive-through, so they had it delivered to their house. They spent $19 on a chicken biscuit and a Coke, and I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, that's like, that's like my budget when I was in college. Like because of the delivery Because of the delivery. It's an upcharge. There's a tip. There's a delivery fee. Yes, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff. One chicken biscuit from Chick-fil-A and a drink, and they spent $19. Another person spent $10 on a hash brown. So it's like one dollar a hash brown. And you're like, and I've s- never
0: in my life had yeah. a chicken yeah, like they're good and all. I've never had a nineteen dollar more chicken biscuit. Yes,
2: yeah. And that doesn't count as your tithe. I know it's the Lord's chicken, but like that's not that's not that. So but when we we're in college, I think sometimes maybe and I know I did this. I gave myself a license to be lazy with the way I handled money. But if you're a follower of Jesus in here, the money you have, you know, all twenty dollars in your checking account. Like, God gave you those $20 to manage. So work well in managing it. Like, be a good steward. That's what I would
1: say. I wouldn't add anything to that. That was really good. So, you know, one of
0: the things that I think is important, Ben, you talked about how, like, as a college student, you have few expenses. And so, like, right now, if you look at that verse that you read, uh, Proverbs chapter 10, um, it says a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. So right now what, what I hear you saying like as a college student, you are in that 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 summer, like you are in a prime position to do a lot of gathering uh, to to save right And I think that the like rebuttal to that might be well, I'm in like as a college student. I, I think that it's like if anything, it's probably the best time in my life to spend, right? Because you you're in this place where I mean you got all the time in the world in front of you. Um, you, you don't have bills to pay. You don't have I mean some I'm sure, but like like you said, expenses are are, are less. And so I, I look at that, and I'm, I'm sure many people might look at that as an argument that's like, oh, no, this is, this is prime time to, to spend. And I, I can save when I got things to save for. What would you say to that? Like, why, why is this a good time to save money? Uh,
1: well, I was just going to say that, um, you know, I had that mentality probably a lot in college where uh, I thought, man, I can go to Waffle House at 2 a.m. Like that's okay with me because you know, you only live once, you're in college, like I want to experience the full college life. So obviously I'm gonna, you know, be lazy or or you know, not go get it myself or just use that as an excuse. But man, if you can if you can capitalize on this opportunity now of saving and, and beginning to save, you know, um, sticking back what you can, doing what you can, trying to save up, you're gonna you're gonna see that grow exponentially in the future. And Dave Ramsey says it best. I know we're not really giving Dave Ramsey uh, concepts up here or anything like that. I'm, I'm not necessarily a Dave Ramsey guy, but uh, he does say this one thing, and I, I used to say it a lot uh, when I was in college. He, he always says, live like no one today so you can live like no one tomorrow. In other words, you pull up to a red light and you see this guy who's driving a, you know, 60000 $80,000 car. I mean, who is he impressing other than the person that is sitting at the red light next to himself, right? But I mean, honestly, if you've got, like, a car that's paid for and, you know, you want to try to find ways to get creative to save some money, man, I highly encourage that because you're going to see that grow exponentially in five years and ten years. And what you're going to see is you'll notice your classmates now who maybe are living the high life, man, they're mom and dad's credit card or whatever, and they're just, they're, you know, they're trying to live college to the fullest. Uh, you'll see that if you start with some of these biblical principles now, uh, that in three years, five years, I saw it with my friend group, uh, that you'll start to see where you'll be three and four steps ahead of them by the time that, you know, you start to reach 25, 26, 28, whatever, uh, when you start getting older because you started these concepts early. and And, man, I'm a big proponent of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to. I'm going to move us past saving, and if you guys have any questions about how to do that practically, um, you know, like what it actually looks like on a practical level to set money aside while you're in college, uh, ask that in the Q&A. Just for sake of time, I do want to give us enough time to get to the Q&A. So I'm going to jump on down to that last kind of category uh, of live. So... If we're organizing a budget, like we said in the beginning, we want to prioritize first and foremost uh, giving generosity. Uh, We then want to save money, and then we want to live off of what's left over. Um, So on this idea of living, spending, uh, would you say that when you guys were in college, uh, would you say that you lived with wisdom when you were in college when it comes to money?
2: I remember I went here, I went to UNG, and... I was kind of following this 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 hierarchy, so I'd give first. Is that a nighthawk?
1: <laughs> See, we were something different when Talent's I went up. here. It was North Georgia College and State University. I think we were still the Fighting Geese. Is that Fighting? Ge- was it Fighting? Geese? I can't remember what it was. The what? The You're Fighting geese? <laughs> geese. Maybe that Stop. was Geese, but I don't remember what Andrew's it was. Andrew's sixty-eight years I'm old. Da- yeah. All right, Ben, tell Let's us be about. All right, so five, okay.
2: I'm I was kind of doing this. I was giving first. I was saving next, and I was living off the leftovers. So it was, you know, like. You know, oh I got four twenty-three in my bank account. So I would say with this live part, that's exactly what you have to do though. I know it's tough in college, live off the leftovers. And I got creative. So one of my favorite spots to eat still is is the Moes right down here. And but I didn't have a lot of money to eat there because the home wrecker I think was $8.99 at the time. That was their big burrito. And so I got the Moo Moo. Does anyone know what the Moo Moo is?
1: Moo Moo, Mister Cow. that's what Yeah, it is, someone yeah. over here is like, yes.
2: So, <laughs> I got the Moo Moo, which is the kids' meal, and then they had us—they uh, had a, on their receipt, like, "Hey, tell us how we did. Get two dollars off your next order." The Moo Moo was three seventy-three pre-survey. Post-survey, a buck seventy-three. So I just ate every day, and I'm like, I get my receipt from the new one, and then I use that one for tomorrow. So my my lunch budget was like ten. 10 bucks a week. So I, you know, that's a crazy story. That's a silly story, but I think, I think college, it takes creativity for sure, but I want you to know, like you can live within your means in college. It is, it is possible. That's what I would say.
0: If you
1: can find the moo-moo.
2: Go for the (laughs) (laughs) moo-moo.
1: Go ahead, Andrew. No, I was, you asked the question, were we wise or was I wise? No, I, I definitely looked at um, I wasn't, I definitely didn't know what I know now about money, money management, you know, and, and fiscal responsibility. But, um, I definitely looked at my bank account. Maybe I had a savings account and a checking account and I tried to keep them separate, but, but I, I would look at my checking account as like, man, if I got, if I have money left over at the end of every month, I saved money this month. Like that was great for me. And, you know, honestly, later on, I mean, <laughs> at least i bought a our first house that way, you know, because I was just constantly trying to to look at it that way. But then something would come up, car would break down, something would happen, and man, I didn't have the money because I was celebrating from the last month, you know. So um, I think it, it really, if you're gonna if you're gonna say if you're gonna give, if you're gonna save, and if you're gonna try to live off of what's left over, uh, you have to be strategic in it. You have to be intentional, like Ben is saying. Um, you you have to be smart with it as well. So plan for it, know what you're doing. Um, and then definitely don't look at your checking account as like, man, I got $4, you mentioned 423, four $4.23 left over a month, I save some money. That's not how you save money. We, we got to talk a little bit more practical than that, you yeah. know, if that's the
0: case. Yeah, we definitely will. Um, so, but I think that's a good principle. You're, uh, when it comes to living, if, you're, if the dollar sign number in your checking account is your metric as to how you're doing with your finances, it's it's not a not a good way to go about it. There are wiser ways to go about it. So let's uh, I mean let's jump off that. Um, what how do you do it? Like practically speaking, how do you live wisely when it comes to your money? How do you break out of that? Just look at you know the number in my checking account mentality. What do you do? What does it look like?
2: There is a really simple tool that some of you may love and some of you may not love so much but it is called a budget. Dude, I'm about to stand up. Let's go. This is what made budgets, me and Logan y'all. friends. I'm just kidding. This is it really is. <laughs> I mean, really? We're nerds. So me yeah, me me and Logan are budgeting nerds, but I know that maybe more of you than like maybe the majority of you when someone says, "How are you doing with your budget?" you know, it's just you don't feel good about that, right? Maybe you don't like budgeting. But If you start to plan out where your dollars are going to go with a budget, you will automatically just be more intentional with how you use the Lord's money that you are stewarding, and I think you'll really start to uh, see changes in the way that you use your money, and uh, we can talk, if you want to, Logan, more practically about what a budget is, but if you don't have a budget, get one. Uh, There's some great free apps Come talk to me and Logan afterwards. And um, But, yeah, you need to have a plan because looking at your checking account balance, that's not a plan for your money. So have a budget. Have a plan. Yeah. I, like, I, I really am.
0: I mean, I was being goofy, but, like, I genuinely am passionate about budgeting. Um, it has changed my life. It has changed my marriage. Like, Aaliyah would attest to that as well. Like, my number one advice for uh, married couples uh, or, like, you know, newly married couples. Um, it is not like date your wife. It is not like all the you know typical things that you hear. I mean, do that stuff for sure. Uh, but it's uh, literally my number one piece of advice is get on the same page about your finances and do so with a budget. Um, have y'all ever? Have y'all ever felt buyer's remorse? Anyone? I can. We can see you a little bit, really. So a lot of you have, and the others are liars because I know you have. When you budget, my experience has been that when you, when you can budget well, you know where your expenses are going. Like when I go to the grocery store to spend money on groceries, I don't just go and say like, man, you know, I'm going to try to keep it under this amount. Like I go to the grocery store and I have a picture of what I can spend on groceries because I have a picture of what every other dollar in my bank account is doing. So I'm not worried when I go to spend money on groceries. I'm not like, oh my gosh, that was so expensive because yeah, sure. It might be expensive, but I know where every, like every single other dollar, I know what's going on with it. I'm not like, man, I might not have enough for this thing over here. I know that I'm going to have enough because I've already done the work of, uh, you know, organizing everything, identifying my expenses and so forth and so on. Um, so, I mean, I'm, it really has changed, changed my life. I know we've talked about it. It's, it's done the same for you
2: guys. Yeah. I mean, if you think about going back to the stewardship idea, I really believe in this. If all of us are financial managers for the Lord, right, like what the dollars we have, um, we're managing for God. Imagine if you went to your, maybe you don't have a financial advisor, but imagine if you went to your financial advisor and you're like, hey, where's my money at? And you're like, oh, I don't really know. <laughs> that would not be good. So budgets, have a good. that's good. Have a plan. Have a budget.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Caleb, go ahead and start to throw some of our um, questions up on the screen. Um, You know, some of these these top questions. He's going to throw a bunch up on the screen. And what you guys can do with your phones, um, if you can, if you're close enough to scan that QR code, or if you can get on your browser and type in Slido.com. That's S L I D O.com. He's going to text them to me. You don't have to read it. if you guys can uh, type in slido.com if you're too far to scan the QR code, type that in, and I'm going to read you a number, and it's going to ask for like a participant code. Um, just type in the number 2459-813, 2459-813, and that'll get you um, into this, uh, this Q&A. And basically, what y'all do um, is just go on there. You can see the list of questions, and you can click the ones that you like. And um, as you click the ones that you like, they'll receive votes and they'll kind of rise to the top. Um, But our first question is this, how should we discern between saving money as a good steward and saving money out of fear of not having money? You guys got that? I'm going to read it again for me because I...
1: (laughs) That was difficult.
0: How should we discern between saving money as a good steward and saving money out of fear of not having money?
1: Go for it. Well, I so Ben and I, we're, we're probably going to, some of our personalities are going to come out and how we respond to some of these. Uh, me personally, um, and I'm just, this is when it gets probably a little too practical, a little too real. Um, so I've always been the type where more money is better than less money. So if I look at my savings account, I want to see, you know, a lot of zeros there I mean that's just how I've always been but in recent years I, I know like especially with the discipline and and some of these things that we've talked about um I don't like to have too much money that I'm saved up so I, I really categorize saving in two different ways lo- short term and long term um we've my wife and I we've always invested uh, 401k you know matching we've talked about a Roth or or you know, other types of IRAs, um, but, you know, having that long-term uh, investment, start with something, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever you can afford, just do something to where it compounds and does that over time, uh, but with the short term, our general rule of thumb in our home is we want to be three to four months of, um, of living expenses in the savings account, like we, and, and for us, we don't touch that, uh, we know for a fact, like we had to have the house painted, Ben, you were talking about crying a lot with the house, we had to have our house painted, so that was like six grand we had to pay last year, um, I didn't, it didn't come out of our savings account, because I told Lisa, I'm like, we're not taking it out of our savings, we took, took it out of our checking because I wanted to make sure that we left that in there, so we as a family, like, we talk about that, we have three to four months in there, and once we hit that three to four month threshold, now obviously, the, the more kids you have, the more expenses you have, you got to raise that, but we try not to go over that. So I hope this is going to answer this question. We try not to go over that because with the way that inflation is going, the more money you have just sitting there in your bank account, the less valuable it's going to be two years, three years, four years. So if you have six months, a year, two years worth of you know household expenses in your savings account, that's probably a little too much. Put that more in like a long-term investment. Get that to three to four months. That's me and Lisa, though. Now, if you're not – the kind that's disciplined with money, and you're a spender, you may need to have a little bit more than three to four months, but I think that's where, you know, being wise, you know, okay, we feel comfortable as a family, we've prayed about it, we talked about it, three to four months is what we feel comfortable with, if I had six months, that to me would be out of fear, and so I want to put that in long term to where I can, um, you know, be able to retire one day, because we want to travel, and so we just, we plan for the future like that, but then the rest of it, man, we give, we give it away. That's good.
0: Ben, do you have anything?
1: Yeah,
2: Andrew went really practical, so I'll just really quickly um, go kind of more of a spiritual side. Uh, and I'm going to go back to the Lord of the Rings proverb. I think it's 1128. It says, if you trust—I don't have it pulled up, so I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But it basically says, if you trust in riches, um, you'll not be secure. That's that's a very loose paraphrase. but. You know, I'll just ask yourself the question, why are you saving money? Okay, so have a plan for your savings. You know, are you saving to buy an engagement ring? Are you saving for a down payment on a house? Or are you saving because you find your security in money? If you're saving because you find your security in money, you need to be reminded that our security comes from Jesus.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, All right, so I'm going to read the one that's got the most votes. Uh, Next we have this question. Is giving time and service an acceptable form of, I'm going to say generosity, I think that's the question, uh, if you don't have an income? So, in other words, I don't make any money, I don't have a job, can I give time, uh, can I give
1: service, is that acceptable? I think from a practical standpoint, yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially, you know, um, now, you talk about different parables and different scriptures uh, that you see all throughout the Bible, um, you know, you see this, uh, the I think about the, uh, the widow that, you know, she gave all that she had, um, and it was just a little bit. It's not about the amount that you give. Once again, it's about your posture. It's about your heart. Um, so, listen, if you're a college student, and you're like, man, mom and dad pretty much pay for the majority of my expenses, and I don't really have a job right now, but, man, I could flat go to student camp in the summer and go and love on some kids or, or help with rec. Man, that's that's great. That's a great step of being able to, um, to be generous, you know, and, and really, it's about your, your heart. It's your posture towards it, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Anything to add? I think that was great. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Andrew. All right, next question. I am personally saving early for a wedding ring. Is this anonymous? They got a name up there? I am personally saving early for a wedding ring. They are expensive. Yes, they are. Should I finance a wedding ring?
2: Want me to go first? You want to go first?
1: No, you go ahead. because okay. They're about know, to get into a war right here. We, we might, might now, me and Andrew are about to have a fist popcorn. fight. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: here's what I would say. Now, there is no proverb. Uh, there's no gold proverb that says don't finance a wedding ring or do. My personal opinion is if I was talking to this young man, I would say, hey, I would really encourage you to pay cash for that ring for two reasons. Number one. It shows that you have good financial habits, okay? So it shows that I can save money, okay? And I can uh, be in Bass Pro Shop and be like, whoa, I don't know why I said Bass Pro. I can be somewhere where I see something I want to buy, and I have the self-control not to buy it because I know I'm saving for that ring. Number two, I think it means a lot to your future wife that you said, I sacrificed so much and it's a bigger sacrifice to really save up for months and months because wedding rings are expensive and then pay cash for it and, and I would say a third advantage is you're not bringing debt into engagement because you're going to have all these other expenses with the wedding so that's probably more like my opinion that's there's not a, a verse about that, but that's what I would say
1: um, So Ben I, I love that was a very spiritual answer and I, I love it you here we go. Job, Here's what, okay, so I know that me personally, I'm a little more disciplined to be able to pay off those things. To me, it doesn't really affect me to be able to, like, take out a loan or, or something like that. Now, scripturally, you need to understand that the Bible says that if you owe somebody money, in other words, if you take out a loan, like, in essence, you are enslaved to that person in order to pay it back. So you see that, you know, obviously there's some things that you cannot not finance, like a home. Like, you can have a mortgage payment, more than likely. Uh, unless you just save up for the rest of your life and then pay cash for it. Uh, But honestly, some things like that. Now, with my wife, uh, like I told you, we were very young. Uh, I had the cash in the bank because I've been a saver since I was a kid. Uh, So I had the cash in the bank. I went to um, the the place to buy her ring. I knew what I wanted to get. I knew my budget. I knew how much I could do. Uh, It was going to take for the majority part of my savings in order to get it. But they offered me six months, same as cash, So I was 18 years old. I did not have, I had a job, but I did not have any credit, and I knew I wanted to buy a house very young. So this is where I would say, me personally, I did the six-month same as cash because I knew it would build some credit, at least a little bit, show that I have a payment history. And so I did take it. Now, I didn't propose to her until it was paid off because I did not want somebody to try to repo a ring off my fiance's hand. That would have been weird. And so... (laughs) Uh, me personally, I, I did. I had the money in the bank, but I financed it anyways because I wanted to build credit. And so I paid it off before the six months was done. I paid it off early because I wanted to show that. And so I think it, it comes down to know who you are and then you know, be, be very wise with it, very wise. Yeah,
0: yeah. I agree with that. Um, and, and I think that is true about all types of debt. Um, debt in itself is not a bad thing. But here's what you have to understand is that, like, like Andrew said, uh, it is in, in Proverbs, literally it talks about how um, if you owe someone something, you're like a slave to that master. So when you look at debt, like a wedding ring, whatever it is, let's say that you have a, um, an income of $1,000, like that's your paycheck, right? And um, $200 out of each paycheck has to go towards paying off this ring. Well, just go ahead and understand that, like, when you make the decision to enter into, like, to finance something to enter into debt, you are taking a pay cut until that is paid off. So, if it's two hundred dollars out of your paycheck, that's great. Your your paycheck is now eight hundred dollars, and that's fine if you've budgeted for that, if you if you're ready for that. But you you do have to understand um, that that is the new reality. Um, so I think that that's wise. There, 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 are, there are ways to be wise either way. You know what I mean? Um, all right. Let's get one or two more here. Sorry. All right. A lot of us are pursuing careers. How do we change our focus from chasing money or promotions towards pursuing a godly lifestyle? That's a great question.
2: See, I don't think well on my feet, but I can definitely say that I did this when I got here a couple of years ago. I think it was 2017. Um, the way I decided what my degree was be was going to be is I Googled highest paying income, uh, in, highest paying jobs in America right now. Uh, number one was brain surgeon. I'm not very smart. I, I don't thought like it blood. Was a pastor. It was not pastor. So brain surgeon was out, number two was like a math nerd, and so I was like, I can do that. So I came in, I tried to be a math major. I spent zero time praying through what the Lord wanted me to do with my life, and I, ch- I was chasing the money for the first two years of my college, and it, I wasted so much time. And I would just encourage you guys, be prayerful. Um, when, you know, and I said at the beginning, don't follow money, follow Jesus, you know, we can trust the Lord. The Lord will provide. So I went from uh, thinking I'm going to make $200,000 every year in this actuarial analysis role to I went to be an intern at a student ministry, which uh, they really make the big bucks there. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's, they, they didn't laugh, so they don't know. But, um, but you know what? The Lord provided. And I was still able to uh, buy a wedding ring, uh, propose to Hadley, buy a house like the Lord has provided. So be prayerful. And just remember that, you know, you're accountable for how you use your life. And so don't be flippant. Don't chase money. Follow
1: Jesus. Yeah, I, what I would say in that is that there, there's really there's two types of ambition. You have unhealthy ambition and healthy ambition. There is healthy ambition that can still honor God. So, uh, you know, work for, for in Scripture and for believers, work is not a curse, it is actually it's a blessing. And you can see once again, we keep going back Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs talks about how uh, the man that does not work should not eat. So obviously, like you got to get up, you got to go get a job and go do it. Your job can control your life. And so uh, I'll be honest with me. I, so I haven't always you know, aspired to be a pastor. Uh, I worked in the corporate world for about 10 years. And so uh, I. at one point, I will say I was. Um, I was a victim of that myself and in, in my own personal um, ambitions to where, man, I poured everything into my career, everything in my job because I was chasing the dollar, chasing the next step, chasing the next promotion. And it, what it did, and I, here's how I knew that it was unhealthy, because first of all, it pulled me away from my family. Uh, I had a wife, had you know, two small kids, uh, so it pulled me away from my family, pulled me away from the Lord. I was not doing my quiet time early in the morning because I was getting up, being at work at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., I was coming home super late in the afternoon. I was pouring everything into that because it had become my identity, my life, who I was. And so I used to always say, you know, business is not a job, it's a lifestyle. And so I constantly had that mentality of, man, I got to chase the next, all these different things. And so um, how do you balance that? I think the way you balance it is first and foremost, uh, you look at your job as a, as a blessing. It's a gift. It's a gift from the Lord. Uh, you honor God with that by giving hard work. Uh, But then you don't pour everything into that job. You pour everything into exactly what Ben's saying, and that is God.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I I think that's that's super good. Y'all, I think the only thing that I would add is we talked last week. Money is a bad foundation to build a life on. And if money, like your salary, is the primary criteria for your major, what sort of job you're interested in, um, you are you are looking to build your life on a bad foundation, one that's not going to be able to support your marriage, one that's not going to be able to support your kids. And uh, we need to build our, our life on, according to Scripture, the foundation uh, that will not be washed away when storms come. Um, I, got, I got one more question for us, and we'll, uh, we'll end with this question. I think it's a good one. Uh, if we aren't giving with a cheerful heart, should we not give? Or can the practice of giving... Help us give cheerfully over time. I'll, uh, can I start us off? So giving is um, something we, we, you know, I'm not going to rehash all the scripture that we read. We can see clearly that scripture is something that is um, commanded per scripture. Um, we, we saw not, not the tithe part, but the, the part like been read in 2 Corinthians 9. Uh, we are called to be generous people. So what we're taking is a is a command from scripture, and uh, we're saying, should I do this? If I don't, should I still do this if I don't feel like doing it? So let's just equate it to something you know, another command of scripture. So we're um, commanded in scripture to be honest, right? Like that's a that's something that's pretty obvious. We know that um, scripture is clear about honesty. Should I tell lies even though I don't feel like being honest? Or should I do the right thing, even though I don't feel like it? Uh, does that make sense? Like it's a it's a very similar um, idea here. I, I know that it can be easy to talk yourself out of giving; like it, it really can. But it's something that we're called to do as followers of Jesus, and um, our feelings aren't the thing that uh, direct. Like if you trust your feelings. Um, you are putting your trust in a, uh, in a very fragile foundation. Our feelings don't determine uh, our obedience. And so, uh, you know, Scripture does. So, yeah, I would say there's a lot of things that, um, you know, we're called to do, disciplines that we're called to have as followers of Jesus that initially you might do them, and it might, it might not feel, you know, it might feel like your heart's not in it, but it's got to be a discipline before it becomes a desire. And over time, the Lord will will as as you know, you prayerfully go about it. The Lord
1: will will move your heart towards Himself. So, you guys, got anything to add? The only thing I would say is I would ask the question of why? Why why are you not cheerfully giving? Is it because you don't trust where you're giving? Is it because you don't see the value? Do you not see um, maybe the to Logan's point, the biblical command or the biblical call to it? Uh, and if that's the case, then you know answer some of those questions, and then obviously pray that God would change your heart. I mean, you know, that's where, um, like, to be personally honest, like, I have been stingy myself because I'm like, man, what happens if I don't have a job, you know, a paycheck coming in in the next week? Um, So, yeah, I mean, you sometimes you can be a little fearful with the economy, inflation. I mean, you hear all these things, and you're like, man, but what happens if, and to Ben's point, what he's been saying a lot tonight is uh, trust God, trust God through that. And um, give, uh, give with a cheerful heart. And if something is going on in that, man, do a, do a deep dive on yourself. Pray about that. Come talk to a pastor about it. Be honest with it. And, um, and then, like Logan said, keep giving through the, the discipline of it.
0: That's awesome. Hey, will you guys uh, thank Ben and Andrew for joining us tonight? <clears throat> You guys uh, can start making your way off stage. Um, y'all can come and grab these couches and chairs and all that band. Y'all can come on out. Um, I, I want to leave you guys with this tonight. Um, we, we talked a lot about giving. Um, you know, we opened with talking a lot about tithing. And um, Ben made mention of this, but all the way back uh, in the beginning of Scripture in the Old Testament, tithing was something that was required like, it was a literal requirement of the Israelites, of the people of God. It was a requirement uh, to, to tithe in order to be made right with God. You guys get that? Like, it was, part, it was a part of the biblical law, like, you tithe in order to have right standing with God. That was the reason for generosity. Well, as New Testament believers, in other words, all I'm saying by that is people who, who are existing on the other side of the cross... We no longer give in order to earn right standing with God. We give because we have right standing with God. That we're so so grateful that God was so generous with us that we now make the decision to be generous with other people. It comes from a place of us having right standing with God. And so tonight, man, if you don't have that, like if you've never made the decision to follow Jesus then this lifestyle of radical generosity is not something that is going to flow out of your heart. Like, it just will not happen. And so tonight, I want to simply leave you with this, y'all, that you were created by a God who loves you very, very much, but you were separated from him because of your sin. Uh, But God was not okay with us living a life um, eternally separated from him, and so he sent his son Jesus to ultimately pay the punishment that we owe because of our sin. And uh, Jesus came to earth, he lived a perfect life, and he was crucified uh, to pay that punishment, Uh, but he didn't stay dead, he rose three days later, and in him doing that, and him being raised from the dead, he defeated hell, and he gave us the opportunity to have eternal life with him uh, if we place our trust in the work that he did for us on the cross. And so tonight, if you've never made that decision... If you hear this talk about a life of radical generosity and you're like, man, I want that, but, but something's off. I want you to come find uh, myself, Andrew, Ben. We'll be down front um, after service, and we'd love to have a conversation with you. Also, I know that there were a ton of other uh, questions that we did not get to answer. Y'all, if you have any questions about anything that we talked about tonight, the three of us will be down front after service. We would love to have a conversation with you and answer any questions that you have, seriously. Uh, let me pray for us and uh, the band will lead us in a time of worship. Father, we love you, and uh, God, we're so grateful for, uh, Lord, the fact that you loved us first. And God, it's because of that truth that, Lord, we now live the life that you call us to live, a life of radical generosity, a life that looks radically different than the rest of the world. And so, Father, I pray tonight that uh, these students would uh, not follow the current of culture, but, Lord, they would, they would be bold in digging their heels in for things that matter, that they would build their life on a solid foundation, and that they would uh, be cheerful givers, uh, Lord, not just through and to the church, but, God, that in every area of their life that they would be radically generous, that they would make wise decisions with money, and that they would honor you uh, with everything that you've given them. God, we love you, and it's in your name we pray, amen.